Well, good morning again. How are we today? Are we talkative? Are we full of life? Are we full of joy? <laughs> I'm going to try to not be too talkative. <laughs> um, so I just want to say again, uh, Pastors Bob and Carolyn are out of town. There are senior leaders here at Passion Church. They're out of town. They're actually in my hometown, Dayton, Ohio, um, this week at United, um, United Theological Seminary. Pastor Bob is going to be preaching tomorrow afternoon, our time, tomorrow evening, Eastern time, on um, prevailing prayer. He's going to be preaching to over 300 pastors and leaders of the church. Um, so we've worked it out. I'm kind of excited, actually, that we can, we're going to be able to stream that here. So if you're interested in listening to Pastor Bob preach about prevailing prayer, we're going to gather over in the youth facility. We'll start gathering around 345 tomorrow. Um, the service will start there, 7 o'clock their time, 4 o'clock our time. So if you want to come, we'll put it on the big screen there and pray for Pastor Bob and for what the Lord is going to be doing there. So last week, um, well, we've been in this series called, What Am I Made For? And last week, Pastor Bob took a look at Peter, the disciple Peter, and looked at his successes and failures, at what the Lord took Peter through. Um, as he ended his sermon last week, um, he looked at John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. I'm going to start there this morning. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you that you're here with us. I thank you that you want to speak to us. I thank you that you're powerful. I thank you that you're almighty. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you encourage us. Lord, I ask you to open our hearts to hear exactly what it is you need to say to me, exactly what it is you need to say to each person sitting here. I thank you, Lord, that you're continually faithful. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. So in John chapter 20, what did I say, 21? Oh, here it is. Sorry, John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. This is where Pastor Bob kind of left off last week. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time, he said to him, Simon, Son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger and used to fasten your own belt and go to wherever you wished, but when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. So Jesus' Jesus' words to Peter were exactly this. We're asking him, do you love me? If you do, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. 
And then he called him again to that place. He ended it by saying, follow me. So we've read the story, right? We've read the New Testament. We know that this isn't the first time Jesus has said to Peter, follow me, right? These are, it was his first words to Peter, right? Saw Saw them fishing. He said, follow me. And again, his last words to Peter, follow me. Sure, it wasn't his last words. (laughs) His last words here, right? Follow me. Jesus says to us that same exact thing. He calls us. He has called us exactly like he has called these disciples into a deep, loving relationship with him. He says to us, follow me. And from there, as we know, the church began. The church started, came out of Peter, the rock on which Jesus was going to build his church. So we get to this place where here we are at Passion Church, and what we're, conti- what we're doing is we're continuing to follow exactly what Jesus said to Peter. He said, feed my sheep, tend my lambs. So, so that's what we're doing here at Passion Church. So this church was birthed 22 years ago with a vision that um, people here, people who came here, would experience intimacy with God, and they would be able to move in the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That they have a desire, we have a desire to see every one of you equipped for ministry and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So what we are here at Passion Church is we're a space where we can support you as you go deeper into discipleship. Because the Lord continually says to us, follow me, follow me. He doesn't want us to follow him from far behind, does he? He's, completely calling, he's continually calling us into this place where we're growing more and more near to him. So what I wanna to talk to us about today is um, the fact that we are made for discipleship. We are made to be in that close, intimate relationship with the Lord and with one another so that we can grow the kingdom, so that we can serve the kingdom, so that we can pull others into this place of love and intimacy and acceptance and healing. That is our purpose. That is what we're made for. So we're going to take a look at what it means to be a disciple, what it means to walk as a disciple. So here at Passion Church, we've kind of um, separated what we believe are kind of these four parts of discipleship. We call them our pillars, um, but they really don't stand alone. So our four pillars here at Passion Church are to know God, to belong to family, to be empowered, and to live for more. So I'm going to spend some time this morning kind of talking you through the way we see that. How do we see that playing out? And how does that um, show us what it is to be a disciple? So as I was preparing this week, thinking about discipleship, um, <laughs> this thing came to mind. So several years ago, I started, my, I, I started working on my doctorate. And I can remember the very first day I was in this class full of all these people that I felt were so much wiser than me, so much smarter than me, so much more prepared than me. Um, Dr. Sadler, the head of the program, was, was telling us, kind of explaining what the program was going to be like. And I don't know if you know anything about me. I'm an achiever. I 
I like to please people. I like to do really well. I like to get good grades. So here I was. I was sitting at the very front of the class. And he's explaining all of this. And I got my courage up, and I asked a question like a good student does. And I asked, I'm like, so how are we going to be graded? No lie. He laughed at me. <laughs> he said, do you think that we're going to grade you? You think we're going to tell you what you're doing wrong or what you're doing right or what it is you're supposed to be doing better? No, you're here in this program to contribute, to grow on your own. We're not going to be the ones that points to you and tells you exactly what you need to do. You need to check this box. Oof. That was awful for me <laughs> because I'm like, if I don't know the boxes that I need to check, if I don't know exactly. <sighs> exactly. <laughs> How many of us are like that? <laughs> and that's what I feel like discipleship is like. We're no longer in this place where we have a very specific outline. You've met this goal. You've checked this box. You've done this. The Lord has kind of left it up to us on our own. And if we want to wander, if we want to sit down, if we get tired, if we fall away, he allows it. He doesn't like it. He doesn't love it because he longs for us. He longs for us to come to that place of deep intimacy with him. But we know that sometimes... We take a seat, don't we? Sometimes we find ourselves far off to this place. So again, what I'm going to do today, what I would like to do today with that in mind is understanding, is to come to this place of understanding where the responsibility for deep discipleship is on me. The responsibility for your deep discipleship is on you. Right? So this first pillar is all about knowing God. So let me ask you a question. I want you to think for a moment. When did you first know God? When did you first know him? When did you meet him? Was it a sweet moment? Was it a scary moment? Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. We're going to look at the first time Peter met the Lord. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. The, the scripture goes on here, James and John, sons of Zebedee, did exactly the same thing. Jesus came and said the first words to them, follow me. And they did exactly that. Why do you think they did that? Why? Did, why? What was it? Can you remember the first time you knew the Lord? Was there something about him that compelled you to follow and we're in this place that, that if you're here, I, I, I believe you've probably met him. I believe you've probably know him. At, at least you're curious enough that you're sitting in this church spending the, your late morning here. So what is it to know 
God? How do you come to that place where you know him? How do you come to that place where you know him? You spend time in the scriptures, right? You read his word, right? You come to this place where we worship him. You let him come and meet you. The call of the disciple is to continually grow deeper and deeper and deeper into your relationship with the Lord. To continually know him better. So here's my question for you. Well, first let me tell you a little story. Um, A couple weeks ago I was home in Kentucky, in Ohio, spending time with with my dear, dear friend, Jeannie. I mean, I have lived with her off and on. I, I, I know her so well, and she knows me so well. Made me think of the Lord when this happened. But she was telling me we were getting ready to have lunch, and she, she told me, she said, oh, I'm sorry, the only thing we have here is white bread. I'm like, oh, I like white bread. Like, her mouth dropped open. She's like, how did I not know this about you? How did I never know that you liked white bread? She's been feeding me meals for years upon years upon years. And it's just this small, intimate detail, this little thing that doesn't really matter. But not only did she not know, was she intrigued to learn this about me? But I was, I w- I was in this place where I was like, wow, we've spent all of this time together, and now you're opening up something new to me. So I want you to think, when was the last, what was the last new thing you learned about the Lord? When was the last time the Lord revealed something new to you? Did he reveal something new to you about himself? Did he reveal something new to you about yourself? Because that's the thing about the Lord. Is not only does he reveal himself to us, but he reveals ourselves to us. Because there are things within us, things about us that that we don't know, that we need him to show us. Right? Let me read from you. Let me read for you too. Um, Matthew chapter eighteen, verses eighteen through twenty-two. Now, when Jesus saw great crowds around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. A scribe then approached and said, "Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go." And Jesus said to him, "Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head." Another of his disciples said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. So this is another instance of the calling of the disciples, disciples who want to follow him. What this says to me as I read this, it makes me ask, what is it of mine that gets in my way of spending the time with the Lord that I need to? I'm currently taking a class and was watching it, watching a teaching the other week, and they, t- they talked about whether or not we believe that spending time with the Lord is urgent. Do you feel that way? Is there urgency in your time with the Lord? 
Is it something that you prioritize? Is it something that you put above everything else? Or is there a place and a time when you kind of back away, when you realize, oh, it's been weeks since I've spent my quiet time. It's been a couple of days or, or oh, I'll get to that. I'll do that a little bit later. So this is the part of discipleship, this, this need, it's urgent that we spend time with the Lord, that we know him. So also, I was watching this video. This, this thing just blew my mind hearing this. Um, we know that the Lord is omnipresent, right? We know that he is everywhere around us. And the, and the gentleman who was, who was teaching, who was speaking, he asked, he asked, where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? And of course, the answer, right, is that he is everywhere. But he quoted Psalm 116, verse 8. I keep the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. So he asked us to create in our mind, to realize, to see this picture in our mind, to know that here he is. He is right here at my right hand. And that, that changed things for me. <laughs> that changed things for me. As I'm driving in my car, my passenger seat is now filled with the Lord. You know, as, I'm, as, I, as, as I have tough meetings or strange, difficult, maybe, encounters, he's there in my mind's eye. I realize, I understand that he is right there with me. And it's that, it's that continual him walking with me, me realizing that he's there, that allows that continual conversation, that allows for that continual relationship that is always going deeper and deeper and deeper, and you know what happens from that? I trust him more, and I trust him more, and I trust him more, and my faith grows. <laughs> I feel stable, I feel secure, I feel freedom. That is, that is the purpose of knowing the Lord. That is what he calls us into. Are you there? Are you doing that? Is that a place you need to work on? Is that something you need to go deeper in? Now, the second part of this, second pillar here, um, our, the second part of our understanding of discipleship is belonging to family. Belonging to family. That we know this. If we've been Christians for very long, we know this is not something we can do alone. We know that we were made for community. We were made for friendships. We were made to be part of a family to belong. And so... <laughs> We do our belong to family. We call, we call them our life groups here. But it's, it's helping to get people into relationship with one another, to get to know each other. But the life groups for us here, this is not our end game. Because, because life groups just aren't enough. Getting together and meeting with one another once a month, once a week, it's not enough. We're, the Lord has called us, just as he called his disciples, into these groups where we're intimately sharing time together. Now, as I think about that, I, I, I was thinking about the disciples, thinking about what, what this is, these people, the 12 that Jesus called to follow him, they're spending all this time together. And actually, what I really love is the chosen, because it really, it really paints a picture of what these disciples are like. How many of you have seen the chosen or watched the chosen, seen parts of it, right? 
I think Matthew is my favorite character. How many of you agree with that, that Matthew is your favorite? But, you know, and you just see the conflict between them, right? You, we see through watching that, through reading scripture too, because we, we understand the differences, where the, where the different disciples came from, where there was some friction, some conflict, right? Fighting over who's going to be at the Lord's right hand, who's going to be first. You know, they're, they're continually arguing with one another, maybe not continually, but arguing with one another. And I think, again, that the show, The Chosen, just paints that picture that belonging to family isn't always simple, isn't always kind, isn't always easy. But the Lord calls us into that because iron sharpens iron. We get to this place where, where when we have this friction, it breaks things off of us. It causes us to see that there are things that we need to be able to let go of. And I think about, I think about those disciples again, and some of them were brothers. How many of you have siblings? How many of you are in this place where you, where you understand what it is to be continually with your siblings? How many of you could walk for three years with your siblings, with your brother, or with your sister? What would that be like? right? I was um, talking with my dad the other week about, I don't know, about a friend of mine who had really, really frustrated me. And I was talking to him about what it was that I would like to say, what it is that I would like to tell my friend. (laughs) And I said to him, I said, you know, although I would like to say that I never would, I said, you know, the only people I would ever say that to are my sisters. I have three sisters. And because there's something about siblings, there's something about that close family relationship where you can be honest, you can be true, you can be real, you can be hurtful in a way that you can't with anybody else. Have you experienced that? The Lord calls us into that because in that, there's a sharpening, there's a deepening, There's an understanding more about who we are. So in in the history of the Methodist, of the Wesleyans, I don't know if you all know this, but I originally came out of the Methodist Church, not really originally, but kind of came out of the Methodist Church, did a lot of study on um, the Wesleyan movement and whatnot. So in, um, in Wesleyan church history, um, they, people will gather together in groups. They called them class meetings. And these class meetings started out um, actually after, what, after John Wesley um, visited the Moravians at Hernhut, Countess and Dorf. He saw that they had been divided up into, people had been divided up into small groups. And so um, John and Charles Wesley first began that um, in England, dividing people up into small groups. And from there, they called those classes. And from there, those classes were divided into even smaller groups called bands, B-A-N-D-S, called bands. And these bands were made up of people of the same gender, of approximately the same age, and approximately the same marital status. And they would get together every week and meet together, and everybody in the group had to answer these five questions. So I'm going to read these questions to you. I want you to think about, as I'm reading them, I want you to think about, could you answer these questions? Who could you talk to? Who would you be comfortable with sharing the answers to these questions? Here's the first one. 
what known sins have you committed since our last meeting? What sins have you committed since our last meeting? What temptations have you met with? How were you delivered? What have you thought, said, or done of which you doubt whether it be sin or not? Have you nothing you desire to keep secret? Who could you answer these questions to? Is there somebody other than Jesus that you, that you trust enough, that you're in relationship with deeply enough that you could answer these questions to? What this is, is that this is a confession of sin, right? This is, this is simply coming and, and taking a look at our hearts and knowing who we are and being able to speak to someone else and say, this is what I've struggled with. This is what I've done. Scripture tells us we need to do this, right? Um, James chapter 5, verse 16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. Not for no reason, right? We're not confessing our sins just to bear our souls. But we're confessing our sins to one another so that we may be healed. This is part of discipleship. This is part of freedom, is being in this place where you're not too busy to form deep relationships with one another. You're not too scared. You're not too guilty. You're not too ashamed. You're in this place where you can find others who are also walking along with you, following our Lord, wanting to be sharpened by iron, wanting to say, Lord, this is in my heart. I pour it out. I want you to take it. I need you to heal me. I need you to release me. I need you to free me. Is there someone? Who is it that you bear your soul to? And if there's no one, how will you find them? So the next pillar here for us, this next piece of discipleship, is to be empowered. So when we were created, when man was created, we were created in the image of God. Scripture tells us this, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We were made with the Imago Dei. So theologians will tell us that we are like God. We have been created in God's image in three different ways. We are like God in substance, we are like God in relation, and we are like God in function. So in substance, what does that mean? That means that we were created as also triune beings, right? We are like God. The image of God is within us in substance. We are also like God in relation, right? In the same way that God relates to himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit relate to themselves, himself, right? We are created to relate that same way with God and with one another, we were made for deep, intimate relationships. And then we were also made um, in the image of God in the same in function. That means we have a role in the created order. We were created with authority. We were created to rule over, rule over right? 
And then what happened? We were given this Imago Dei, created in the image of God. What happened? Sin. Sin entered the world, right? Brokenness came. Who we were created to be was tarnished, not taken away, tarnished. And the Lord has now, since the reason Jesus came is to free us from that, right? To restore us to his original intent, to bring us back to that place. So that is what it is to be empowered. After we come to Jesus, right, scripture tells us that um, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, so if anyone is in Christ, there is a, they are a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. When we come to Christ, sin has lost our, its power, right? We've been given a new heart. We've been, we're made new, a completely new creation, right? And if you've been walking this, this journey long enough, you know that this newness is instantaneous, and it's also a process, right? Because it was, as we continue to walk this out, there are continually things that come at us, right? There's our own sin that we haven't submitted to, that we haven't totally given over. There's other people's sin that still hurt us, that still come to this place where we're, we're damaged, and then we hold on to resentments and judgments and unforgiveness. So we're continually walking this life where we're walking out what it is we were created to be. So here in this church, in this body of Christ, what happens is we come to this place to be empowered, to have the original Imago Dei restored. It happens in community. It happens by speaking people speaking truth and love to us. It happens as we know God. It happens as we encounter him. We begin to become empowered. Because what happened when, when I was created, when I was knit together in my mother's womb, when you were knit together in your mother's womb, the Lord gave us gifts. He gave us talents. He saw the beginning from the end. He knew exactly what it is that you were um, going to encounter, the positions he wanted to put you in, the situations he wanted to put you in, the things that he wanted you to do from the, for the kingdom, he knew all of that. So what he did when he knit you together is he gave you these gifts, these spiritual gifts, these talents. And we've been walking in them always. We've been walking in them for as long as we've been alive. Have we been walking in their fullness? Not necessarily. That's part of this being empowered. That's part of coming to this place where we're being healed where we're being set free, where our hearts are being opened, right? So like, as I think about it, I was, I was writing this and thinking, I remember when I was in college, um, it was my senior year in college, I was um, a systems analysis major. I was doing computer programming, whatnot, I decided, I don't wanna do that. <laughs> I like people too much. <laughs> I don't wanna be in a cubicle, whatnot. And I was uh, actually on my way, I, I remember this moment vividly um, I was in Oxford, Ohio. We were on our way to La Rosa's. I was with some friends of mine. We were on our way to La Rosa's to get something to eat. And I said to my friends, I said, you know, I want to be a motivational speaker. That's what I really want to do. Had no idea <laughs> that someday I would be here, right? And, and that's the way that we see our gifts, right? Before we come to the place, before the Lord has made us new, we still are who we are. We have always been who we were created to be, what the Lord is doing in us as he empowers us is he's dusting that off. He's cleaning it up. 
He's working through other people to speak truth over us, to speak life into us. I'll tell you another little story. Um, Years ago, back in 2007, I was 27 years old. Um, I had just come out of, well, a horrific relationship. It was a bad enter relationship, so I found myself in church <laughs> for the first time in a long time. I was attending a United Methodist Church. It was a really big church, actually. Um, we were worshiping about 5,000 people on the weekends, and so I was there. I knew I should be there. I don't really know why I knew I should be there, but I knew I should be there, and I would sit in the very back, and I wouldn't talk to anybody. And I just knew that I needed to be there. So I had been attending for maybe a month, a month and a half. And after service one day, the lead pastor, Mike Slaughter, lead pastor of 5,000 people, right? He comes up to me and he says, what's your name? And I told him. And he said to me, gosh, I did not understand it. He said to me, I see the Lord has his hand on your head. I just want you to know that the Lord has his hand on your head. And I was in this place, like, I was a mess. I was feeling unworthy. I was feeling full of shame. I was feeling discarded. I was feeling rejected. And somebody came up to me, this pastor. I didn't have any grid for this. I didn't have any understanding why he would say this. What do you, what do you mean? You see his hand on my head. I don't get it. But it spoke life into me. It spoke truth into me. And that is part of our call as the body. That is how we empower one another. We take our gifts, we take our ability to hear the Lord, the things we hear when we're knowing God, when we're spending time with him, and we begin to, when we're in community with one another, we begin to speak them to each other. And what that does is it not only, it not only encourages, builds up, equips the rest of the body of Christ, but it does the same for you right? It brings you to this place where you have a deep knowing and a deep understanding that you truly are in relationship with God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, that he speaks to you, that he talks to you, that he knows you, that he loves you, that he wants you to be more, that he has a purpose for you, that he has called you to something. That is what we're called for here in the church. Our fourth pillar is to live for more. And so to do exactly that, as we're coming to this place, we're knowing God, we're, we're knowing each other, we're being empowered, then the Lord sends us out. Does he send us out? I don't know if he sends us out. <laughs> he calls us here and he sends us out. This is what um, the sending out of the 12 in Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Then Jesus called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Mago Dei, right? Power and authority. Gave it back to them. It's already theirs. He's giving it back to them. Called them together, gave them power and authority over all demons and cure disease and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. He said to them, take nothing for your journey. You don't need anything else. The Lord has given us everything we need. He's cleaned us up. He's empowered us. We don't need to take anything with us. Take nothing for the journey. No staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, not even an extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there and leave from there. Whether they, wherever they do not welcome you, as you are leaving, shake the dust off because it doesn't matter if they don't welcome you because I've welcomed you because I've chosen you, because I've called you to this place, because I've given you this task, because I've sent you out, because I've given you my power and authority to do this. Shake the dust off your feet if they don't welcome you. 
they departed and went through the villages, bringing the good news and curing diseases everywhere. So this is what it is. This is how we put into practice what we were made for. This living for more is taking what we've been empowered in, taking our gifts and using them to build the body of Christ, to look to one another, to say, I see this in you. (laughs) I see this in you and it needs to go. (laughs) I see this in you and I love you. The Lord has called us to that. The Lord has called us to use our gifts to worship him, to praise him, to gather together as this body of Christ so that we can grow, so that we can grow deeper in relationship with the Lord, so that we can grow deeper in relationship with one another, and so that more and more people can come. That's the goal, right? Acts chapter 2 says this, verses 43 through 47. All came upon everyone because many signs and wonders were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together, sorry, all who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, passing food and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their numbers all who were being saved. That's our, that's our vision here at Passion Church that we come to this place where we're moving deeper, further into discipleship, right? That we're we're in this place where we're praying for one another, where we're building one another up, where we're speaking what the Lord has spoken to us about one another. We're sharing everything it is that we have, everything it is that we've been given by the Lord. We share this together, and the desire is that more will be added to our numbers, Not simply so this church will be full, so the seats will be full, but because we've come to the place where we know who Jesus is. We've come to the place where we know that we need him. We know that life is not worth living without him. And once we get to that place, we want everybody else to know that. We want everybody else to understand that this is what it is to live. This is what it is to have eternal life. It's to know the Savior. It's to know the Lord who created us, who loves us. So that's my call for you today. Are you a disciple? Are you at this place where you're following Jesus intimately? Are there parts of your life, are there, are there parts of, of these four things I've talked about today that you could do better, that you could go deeper, that you could be more into? I want to invite, and will Brandon come up? If there, if there is, here's, I, I'd like you to do this. I want you to create this picture in your mind. I want you to imagine Jesus. Let's just say Jesus there in the Galilee. Where are you in relation to him? Are you in the crowds? there were thousands, right? Are you in the crowds? Are you one of the 12, maybe? Are you one of those intimate three?
Are you right there next to him? Are you the disciple that Jesus loved? Let me tell you, you are. You are. You are his absolute favorite. We don't understand that. We don't know how that can work. But I'm here to tell you, you are his favorite. He loves you so deeply. He's been waiting. He's been beckoning you. He's been calling you to this place where you are so close to him, where he is so near to you that you can feel him in your heart. That you can feel his heart beating, that you know what it is he's thinking. He knows what it is you're thinking. And everything else just fades away because nothing else is important. Nothing else matters. Jesus is the eternal one, and he wants you. And he's had his eyes on you. He's calling you into that place. He wants to give you everything that you have need of. He wants to fill your heart with love. He wants to fill your heart with peace. He wants you to be able to release complete forgiveness. He wants healing in your body. He wants healing in your relationships. He wants to spend eternity right here just like this with you. I want to invite you, if if you've never known that intimacy with Jesus, if you haven't yet surrendered your life to him, I want to invite you to come forward and do that. If you found yourself back there, back there in the crowds, hanging out with the 5,000, if you found yourself that you've, you've walked away or you've slipped or you've gotten too busy, I want to invite you to come back into this place of deep intimacy with the Lord. Let him know you. Know him. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you never give up on us. We thank you that you're continually calling us more near. We thank you that there's nothing we could ever do that would separate us from your love. We thank you that you're completely, you're continually renewing us, that you're continually restoring us. Lord, don't stop chasing us. Don't stop filling us with your love. Don't stop filling us with your mercy. Don't stop filling us with your power, Lord. Lord, let us pour it all out for you. Lord, as we come to that place, Lord, let us tell others. Let us take it. Let us speak exactly who it is that you are, Lord. Let us tell the nations. 
that they don't have to continue in this place, in this misery that they're in, Lord, that you are here, that you exist, that you are calling them also. Lord, let your kingdom come, let your fullness come. Bring us back to this place where we can all cry out together in unity that you are the king, that you are the Lord, that you are the almighty God. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm going to invite you to stay in this place. I want to invite the prayer team to come up. If you're in a place where you want to come back to the Lord and tell him again, Lord, you are the Almighty. I surrender my life to you. Come up and have someone pray with you. If you're at a place that you feel like you've fallen off, come up and let somebody pray for you. If you need healing, if you need restoration in your relationships, come up. Let someone pray for you. If you need to confess, if there's something weighing on your heart or weighing on your mind, come up. Let someone pray with you. This is the kind of church we are, people. This is who we are. We're coming together. We're healing one another. We're sharing the love and the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ. Jesus' mighty name, amen. Again, you can stay here for a minute. Um, The Connect team is going to be out at the table. So if you're new or newer to Passion or you want to learn a little bit more about us, we invite you to come out to the Connect table. Um, Speak with with someone. I'll be be out there. The rest of the Connect team will be out there. Um, If you've filled out one of those Connect cards, we would love to get to know you. If you want to stay in this place, just enjoy the presence of the Lord. It's strong in here, isn't it? If you want to stay here, you're welcome to do that. Bless you all. Have a good week.